0: I wonder, I wonder sometimes to myself, how different would it have been if I grew up with my biological father as my father versus my adopted father?
1: This is Maria Colonna, the only person in the world who can claim Andy Kaufman as her father. It was discussed in episode four how Andy had a daughter whom he never met a baby girl who was adopted when she was just a few days old. In fact, she grew up not knowing who either of her biological parents were until she was an adult.
0: I'm sure it would have been two very, very different worlds because if you can just try to imagine Andy as dad, I think, I don't know. I think it would have been a very interesting childhood.
2: Okay, here's Little Red Riding Hood. Okay. Hi, Little Red Riding Hood. Oh, really?
0: I think I would have seen him as a playmate and a friend and someone I could have a lot of fun with. And <laughs> I don't know how much of a parental figure he would have been. Who knows? Who knows?
1: And yes, this is a podcast that collects stories from people who were with Andy throughout his life. Even so, I sought out the opportunity to speak with his daughter, knowing full well that they never actually met. I
0: I feel there's a connection, but it's in a different way, possibly, than what people might expect. It's not like the connection you would have with a parent your typical connection, because, I, I, like I said, I never met him, so I, I have no idea what it would have been like, but um, I do have the connection, I do have a sense and a feeling of him.
1: My name is Christopher Allen Maloney, and this is Knowing Andy Kaufman, a podcast documentary series about trying to understand who one of the most enigmatic entertainers in modern history really was, if that's even possible.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, so far everything I've done for you, really I'm only fooling, this is really me.
1: This is Episode 6, My Dad Andy. Maria grew up, without knowing obviously, in the next town over from Andy's childhood home. Neither her biological parents nor her adopted parents knew the identities of the other so she had to conduct her research and investigation on her own.
0: I was like 22 um, and I was on a mission to find out where I came from. I think, I mean, from what I understand, a lot of most adopted children have the desire to seek out who they are and where they came from. It's, I think it's only natural to have that curiosity.
1: She found her mother and her mother's family first.
0: I had, I had wanted to ask her from the very beginning, but I never wanted her to feel like, you know, um, I wanted her to feel as though I wanted to get to know her first and invest some time in her before I brought up the whole issue about who's my dad. Um, and I didn't know how she felt about him or anything. So after a little time of getting to know her over the phone and then eventually meeting her in person, um, she did say that, you know, your father was, was um, very talented. Um, he was very special. You know, he and I were very much in love, but we were very young. She said, and, you know, he, was, he just happened to have been an actor on a show.
2: Give me a minute while I go to the camp. Yes. Thank you very much. I wasn't
0: familiar with Taxi. We didn't watch Taxi in my house. So I was just like, "Okay." I actually went to the library to research him. It was interesting. I read about him and um, I was just excited. I was excited by the thought of, oh, my father was an actor who was very talented and entertaining. And the only sad part was that I'll never get to meet him because he passed away.
1: From taxi, she moved on to his appearances on Saturday Night Live, including this bit from the show's first season. Maria's mother had a tall order explaining who andy was being on a sitcom is easy enough to understand but how would you describe the rest of what andy did
0: Amazing how, and it just came off as though he didn't care. He wasn't worried about what people thought of him. He did what he did because he just loved using the world as his experiment. It was just his way of just, I'm gonna try this. I would, I'm gonna do whatever I want. I'm gonna try this, and let's see what they think of this. How like, how? Let's see how they respond to what I give them. You know, like I just, I just thought it was. It was just amazing. It was gutsy. It was clever. It was creative. And, I mean, and all those things. I mean, I feel like I, I wish I had those components in me, <laughs> you know? I mean, I just, I was, yeah, I was all struck. I was, I was amazed by, by how he could do what he did.
1: So maybe Maria didn't get the creative or performing gene but there were other things she inherited.
0: I heard that he was a germaphobe, and unfortunately I have to claim that yes, I am. I do have that. (laughs) I do have that side.
1: I reminded her about the moment from My Breakfast with Blassie, in which Andy and Fred Blassie both discover that they carry around moist towelettes at all times.
2: Do you know what I do sometimes? Sometimes I get fed up, I carry around these things but here are these
1: things right here
2: you have the same thing here i guess i've never met anybody use, who carries those things. use on. one. Oh. oh okay. i've got them all the time these these here came from japan really yeah paper napkin that's right okay the reason i don't like to shake hands with nobody is because uh i don't know if they've been to the men's room been to the toilet maybe their finger went to. right through the tissue right and then i'm gonna and they shake don't hands. wash their hands that's after that that's, they, that's, after that's they go right to the bed. That's right. And I sure they shake hands
0: with those pencil-neck geeks. How about that? Dry. Dry? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yes. Right. And when he has to, like, if someone came to shake his hand while he was eating, I was told that it just threw him off because he was such a germaphobe. Yeah. Yep.
2: You know what I can't stand is when people. The autographs is one thing you don't know where the pen has been you know you have to uh, touch the pen you know what i really can't stand what's that is when these people come up to me and ask me for an autograph and then they and they shake my hand oh hey and they and you know and i just went to the bathroom and i washed my hands hey and i and i'm you know i wanted the hands to be like a surgeon when i eat. i feel the same way and these people come up to me they and they and they say are you any kind fine nice to meet you i always like to keep a fork in my hand so that they won't uh they yep. won't they'll, they'll get the idea they won't put there but they put it out anyway that's right they'll grab then, the left hand they'll grab well, the left hand they don't have, a, have, have really. a nice fork in your hand and then you'll usually they'll get the idea and they won't try but once in a while some nah, sure, of will come up run. and uh try and shake my hand uh and then i have to go to the bathroom and wash my hands that's again. right and because there are
0: people. I. <laughs> had a love for chocolate and chocolate ice cream in particular. I think he even did one of his skits was um, just eating chocolate ice cream on
1: a stage. She's right. He ate ice cream on stage. We explored this moment in the first episode. He's sitting quietly, stirring and mashing the ice cream to get it to the desired consistency. But
0: it's the way he ate it is the way that I eat it. You mix it and you keep mixing it if it's a hard kind of ice cream until it turns into almost like a soft serve. (laughs) And and that's, yeah, I have the same thing. So it's funny. It's funny how I do share certain little idiosyncrasies.
1: (laughs) Along with the knowledge of who Andy was came an entire family who would immediately embrace Maria. And none more than Andy's father, Stanley.
0: I just think back, I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional now. <laughs> I think back to my grandfather and how overjoyed he was at hearing that I found him. And um, it was just very touching to me, because once I heard that, and once I met my grandfather, it was just like my world changed. I adored my grandfather. And I, you know, I still miss him to this day. But he was just so special. And he was just so happy to welcome me into his life. And um, I just think that, I don't always think back to that day that I first met him. And what a special day it was for us. Um, He was such such a precious person to me. (laughs) He was just very, very special. And he became my best friend. I mean, he was the one person who, whenever, I sought guidance and wanted an opinion about anything. He was the first person I called. I trusted him completely, and I just completely looked up to him. He was just so amazing. He's so special.
1: It seems clear that something remarkable occurred when Maria reached out to Stanley Kaufman. The man who had struggled with varying degrees of success to understand his son during Andy's life was afforded an unexpected chance to further that connection in his absence.
0: I never really had a grandfather either growing up because, as I told you, my 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 um, adopted dad, his family was all in Italy and I never met his father because um, his father passed away. So, you know, like, this is like the this is the grandfather figure that I always dreamed of <laughs> and all of a sudden, poof, there he was in my life. And so, um, yeah, just...
1: Ugh. Maria found out who her dad was in 1992. Three years later, she was invited to be a part of NBC's A Comedy Salute to Andy Kaufman, a special featuring moments from his televised performances and interviews with people like Jim Carrey, Gary Shandling, Lily Tomlin, and Rodney Dangerfield all saying how unique he was.
0: Yeah, it was great to meet. Um, the people who were involved to meet my to meet Andy's manager and to meet some of the people who were there and a part of it. It was great to see them honoring my dad, even still, even after all those years after he passed, to to you know to still honor him in such a way. Um, it made me very proud. It was hard to wrap my head around that. I, I, oh gosh, I I mean, where do I begin? I mean, here is this person that they're talking about who is so inspiring to them as a performer, as a talent, as a creative person, Um, and they're describing my dad, and I can't tell you how overwhelmed with pride I am and and how and just awe-inspired I am by that Um, these are people who are so talented themselves and so and then I wonder like well what happened I didn't get that from him I wish I got that gene but it's amazing that he had it you know Um, just it's awe-inspiring it really is I don't even know, though, when I when I realized that it was it was more than just entertainment, you know, for him. Um, There was something that he was getting out of it. I I don't know. I I don't know what it was exactly. (laughs) I can't put my finger on it, but it was. I don't know. It was just it was just more than entertainment for him. And I don't know what that was, but it was something fulfilling for him.
1: What's your favorite thing you've seen um, that he did?
0: I loved when he was um, on the Letterman show with that wrestler. I think that was great. Jerry Lawler. All
2: I want is an apology. Even you asked me last time I was on your show if I, if I was uh, going to have a that's lawsuit right. and yeah. I could have sued you. I could have sued you for everything you're worth. Well, and I
1: didn't because that's, I'm not that kind of a guy. Yeah. You know what... Uh, what kind of a
2: guy are you? <laughs> no. No.
1: This is from the only time he and Lawler appeared together on Letterman. This was after Andy had been the victim of a pile driver and was still wearing the neck brace.
0: And when, yeah, when Jerry Lawler smacked him. And he, and yeah, and he was like, he starts yelling at him over David Letterman and starts cursing.
2: You are full of bullshit, my friend. I will sue you for everything you have. I will sue your ass. You're a motherfucking asshole. As far as I'm concerned, you hear me? A fucking asshole. Fuck you. I will get you for this.
0: And then he just ran out. (laughs) I like that. I thought that was very entertaining. (laughs) Do you have a favorite? Do you have like a favorite performance of him?
1: I really like the song I Trusted You. Have you seen that one?
2: No. It was from
0: the he.
1: Yeah, it was it was from it was from the midnight special, and he he's introduced as the musical guest.
2: Oh I trusted you, 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 I trusted you
1: and it's just that phrase over and over and you, you keep expecting it to change into something I else I did see but that. it never yes. does
0: okay okay it's, i so when you said that his performance singing yeah i had a vision in my mind that you were referring to he was in a turban and in, in a diaper no, no.
1: Andy sang Rosemary by Slim Whitman on Late Night with David Letterman in 1982. And yes, he was wearing a turban and very short harem pants that looked like a diaper. Before the song, he had come in dancing to some vaguely Eastern sounding music and swallowing swords. The story goes that Rosemary was Andy's favorite song and that he was moved to tears every time he sang it. His eyes are glistening as the song ends. do you think his legacy is i mean how his uh his contribution to the um, human human race
0: oh gosh to contribution to
1: <laughs> you don't have to all no you don't have to get that heady I, about it
0: no i just i feel like again for people to still be referring to him today and referring to him as such a courageous performer that was inspirational and influential and encouraging to people and energized people to just express themselves without any misgivings or any apprehension and to just be themselves, whoever would, no matter, you know, just not even worrying about what people care about them, what people think about them. That's That's what he was to me, you know. I mean, just when I hear performers and and people say, and not even performers, just people saying how inspirational he was to them.
1: Earlier in our conversation, I had laid out why I thought Andy had always been so appealing to me. I grew up in a really small, predictable town in a mixed family and had a hard time feeling like I belonged anywhere. And so to see someone who didn't seem to care if he fit in or what people thought of him, Was so inspiring and liberating to me. It made it seem as though people like me had just as much a right to be here as everyone else.
0: Just like you said, like, you know, being that person who maybe might have felt a little awkward or didn't fit in, and then to find him just being himself and not even worrying about what people thought, just, you know, just going all out, being brave enough to just express himself in such a way um, that he didn't care what people thought, you know? Right. That's that's how I see him.
1: And, and I think another thing he was doing for us was helping us to not be afraid because he, you know, he would bomb on stage on purpose. Yeah. Just to. Yeah. I guess maybe if Who that's. Who that? Yeah. I mean, if, if you're so afraid of failing, which I mean, everyone is, but. Yeah. If someone fails on purpose, then it's almost like it's impossible to be afraid anymore.
0: I never thought of it like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it's like facing your fears and embracing them and turning them from fears into something else. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I I just like when I, as you were talking, I was just thinking like if, if, I don't know. It's going to sound silly, but if, if Andy was a verb, his meaning would be to express oneself unabashedly. Um, that, that's my thought on it because like that's the part that always impressed me, which is similar to what you're saying is like, it's okay to fail, but even to fail on purpose, right. and to do it without any embarrassment, without any shame, mm-hmm. and just do it. And And see what kind of response you get. It's interesting. you know it is It's again, it was like it was like his audience was an experiment almost to him, and yet he was in control, even though you know I mean, to not care, to not care um, about the judgment of others, the judging eye, you know, like just to just not to just not even worry about that. At least that's what it seemed like to me, you know? I mean, it's amazing to hear how people are still inspired by that, by that sense of, you know what? I'm in control. It might not seem like I am, but I'm I'm in control and I'm setting the stage for you to react. I wanna see what your reaction's gonna be to what I give you. And it's just amazing. It's weird. Well, years ago, (laughs) I'm going to tell you a little something. Years ago, I had a dream, because I know that I always wished that I could have met him. Um, But in my dream, I did meet him. And it was so, it felt so real. Because I know that I was crying, because I never met him. And I wanted to know what it would feel like. And all I know is that I was in bed. I was half awake, half asleep. And I was bawling my eyes out because I felt him near me. I felt him hugging me and embracing me. And I just felt love. And he just embraced me with that love. And I just woke up crying because I really felt like I felt him there. And I think that was the closest I ever felt to him. And that's Stories from others aside, that I felt like I, I he was there, and it's funny because, you know, when they pass away, you wonder, do they still see you? Do they see? Do they see you as you are today, and and as you go through your everyday life? Are they watching over you? Do they know what's going on? Does he even know me? Has he ever seen me like from the other side? I wonder, and I don't know. I like I like to think that. You know he watches over us, but I don't know. But I tell you, after I had that dream, I really felt like he was with me. Even for that, even if it was just for that short moment, it it made me feel enough that he is with me.
1: Yeah, I think it's safe to say it was more than just a dream.
0: I I feel, I feel it was. (laughs) I mean. It just it just felt that way to me, and not everybody believes in that kind of stuff. But and I'm skeptical of that kind of stuff too. But I really felt it. I sensed it that that at that moment, so it was real enough to me.
1: Well, I you talked about this. I guess we kind of started about uh, kind of with it, but I wanted to ask um, overall how 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 does it feel? like I said at the beginning, to be the only person who can say that Andy is their father.
0: It feels like an honor. You know, it feels like an honor to have had this very special individual, for this person, for me to have a connection with them. Um, That is an honor to me. Um, Yeah, it's just, I find it an honor. (laughs) I'm a lucky girl.
1: Knowing Andy Kaufman is produced and edited by me, Christopher Allen Maloney. For more information, find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Please subscribe, rate and review Knowing Andy Kaufman on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And of course, please tell your friends. My special thanks to Maria Colonna, someone who confesses to trusting nobody, for speaking with me and trusting me with her insights about this connection to Andy. Original music is by Victoria Regal. And on a personal note, I'd like to thank her for being just as talented at friendship as she is at creating music. She, along with several others, you know who you are, showed up for me recently when I really needed it, and it's something I'll never forget. Archival material is protected under the fair use doctrine of the Copyright Act of 1976, and is intended for educational and commentary purposes.